0: You're listening to the life of try. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, it's been a minute since we've been uh, on the podcast. We are. I'm going to say we're 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 making the slow uh, segue back into podcast life after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, Phil Rockney here, paddling this canoe alongside me. The man who uh, he wouldn't slap anybody at an awards ceremony is our man Kevin McKinnon. How are you, buddy?
1: I don't know. There's a chance I'd slap <laughs> you. you. You don't call me anymore. We don't talk. It's you know, it's been it's been tragic the last well, little bit.
0: You know, you've got to be uh, you know on a run up for this. I work a extremely. Important? No, I'm just mucking around. Uh, timing, mate. It's all about timing, and uh, it's lovely to hear your voice and to uh, once again connect with uh, the greatest of all uh, triathlon journalists in in you, Kevin. Um, I'm going to start this podcast, funnily enough, with something that's annoying me.
1: I'm so brave.
0: <laughs> and it'll be nothing to do with triathlon, as you know. If you're walking along the beach with a metal detector, I don't like you. You prey on human misery. I don't like you. People lose stuff at the beach all the time. I don't understand why you think you can wander along with your metal detector and you can pick up all the stuff that people lose, which they probably wouldn't like, and you think it's yours. Don't like them. Saw one this morning on the beach, not happy.
1: True. I've got nothing. What would you? like <laughs> the Poor metal detector people, like... But what if they found the stuff and then gave it back they to died, you? I don't, they'll lose it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Oh,
1: it. good grief.
0: <laughs> oh, welcome to the uh, Life of Tribe podcast. Here we are again with me off base talking about something completely irrelevant. But that's okay. That's okay. We're going to pull it back into talking all things triathlon. We've got... A few things to uh, to chat about. What the, the other thing that was really annoying me, um, and and I know there are steps that are being taken to fix this, and we've been through this ad nauseum. Was just the social media hype around Oceanside. I was getting a little bit. Um, I, I just I, I know people were excited, and I'm not faulting the the race. I'm. It's just there just should be more of it. Is what I'm wanting. I think that's the best way to do it. There should be a lot more of the types of races, Kevin, where we've got, you know, a really gangbuster field, no idea who's going to win because we know race previews are rubbish um, and just really, really uh, top-line field. And I know the PTO is moving towards this, but, geez, it will be so nice when they've got there.
1: Yeah, well, and this has been the... Uh, you know, the PTO is desperately trying to change that whole thing. Right. And this has been the, uh, thing that we've seen for years in long distance racing, right? It's not until really Kona now as well. Like you're not even seeing, um, all of the big guns hitting the 70.3 worlds, uh, because they're being pulled in so many different directions or wanting to focus on Kona, um, and so, yeah, we just, we don't get this opportunity, but that said, um, if, if COVID has done anything, it has sort of jammed up the schedule a ton. Um, and so we're gonna see a lot more of that kind of thing. Um, you know, we couldn't believe I was, I was announcing an Ironman 70.3 Lanzarote uh, a few weeks ago and that field was stacked. Um, with you know people all trying to get ready for uh, St. George in a hurry. So we're going to see a lot more, I think this year especially, um, when you've got two world championships, you've got three big PTO events with anywhere from a million to a million and a half dollars of prize money. Um, uh, you're going to see a lot more of it. So you should be a happy person, but knowing you, you're not going to be happy. You're going to take it out on some poor suck who's walking down the beach with a metal detector.
0: It's <laughs> very likely. Um, and I agree. Look, they're getting their act together. And and thank God because, you know, we must banish uh, the days of that really small pro field. And, you know, again, I've been screaming about this for 100 years and I'll probably keep going is that we really need that um, the – um cat one and cat two pro license like the cycling you know i know your your boy did uh some time over in europe and you know you'd understand this as well that whole idea of you're a cat one you get into the eight races you're a cat two emerging you get into these races and then off you go you know that way we've got got it all sorted out and that we're going to get good races because that's what gets people buzzing now the coverage that they had of oceanside kevin what did you think did you get a look at it
1: um, I did, yeah. I, I watched it pretty much uh, throughout. Um, yeah, you know, same old, same old. I, I love the guys who are uh, are doing the, the coverage. I think it was uh, Lieto and Didi Griesbauer. And was it Lieto? Or, um, yeah, it was uh, Matt Lieto, um, Didi Griesbauer. And, you know, I just, I, again, I've uh, you and I have talked about this. Uh would be awesome to have little bit more of a host and those guys being in as your um sort of color commentator experts um, as opposed to that host color commentator role i just i'm not sure that really works uh that's my only thing but you know did a great job and cameras weren't weren't too bad yeah, the ads, um, no, how did you find, but, did you you know, find yeah, the
0: commercial breaks though good god how many ads can you score? Oh.
1: Oh yeah! Oh my goodness, that was that was nuts. But hey, you know, outside is is obviously paying big bucks for all of this, and they're going to get the biggest bang they can for yeah, their what's Um But yes, I, I was I was surprised there wasn't more upheaval, uh, like people sort of complaining about that. Um, I just I was blown away with all of the ads. But hey, more power to them if outside's willing to step in and um this is how they're going to make their make it work for them then i sort of get it but yeah i was i was losing my mind with all the that's
0: their down point i don't know they got to pay for this i get it i understand they have to pay for this but jesus we're paying for it you know we're really paying for it watching it um very hard to watch uh don't i'm I'm, in the commentary and stuff it it makes a lot of difference to me because i don't really listen to it um but the Boy, it was hard. And and cutting away at key moments too was all really um, they need to do better. And simple, simply as that, they need to do better. Um, and I think they will. But for the first time out, uh, yeah, they really need to, to do better. But let's talk about the race itself, Kevin. Uh, it doesn't disappoint, does it? O- ocean Oceanside. It's it's generally got a good field. It's you know kicks off the season, everyone gets a bit excited about it. Uh or North American, I should say, or the the US season. Um and some results there that we thought or didn't think. Um, you know, I would have thought the men's result was a little bit of surprise.
1: Yeah, well, a surprise for for all of all of you folks. Um Uh, But, you know, Canadians have been watching Jackson Laundrie steadily rise up through this thing. The guy came fifth in St. George last year, um, had a great day at the Collins Cup. um, And he is just a master of the comeback. Like, he broke his thumb in January, had to have surgery, I think, end of January, February. um, And uh, still managed to get himself into in a reasonable shape. I think he was sixth in Miami sort of as a, as a comeback and then just, you know, put himself in a great position. Um, so um, yeah, but you know, even with all of that, I do have to admit um, I was, I was writing my Alistair Brownlee cruises to the wind headline after he pulled away at 5k. So, um, yeah. so hey, I, but you know, we're all obviously, all of us Canadian types are thrilled to see uh, Jackson do it, and you know what a great race the guy. Yeah, had. I mean,
0: look, he solid all day, half a minute in the lead, um, you know, and and that's always a tough thing when you've got Lionel Sanders bearing down. Um, and again, the you know, you look at Sanders' race, and it was very, very good. And the swim is that that couple of minutes that he gets unhooked um, really makes a difference. But he runs a one hundred and eight, so you know. I mean, geez, only a few people have got.
1: Yeah, no, like Lionel, fantastic yeah. performance, and uh, you know, for you know, he said that he was a little bit flat on on the bike. I think uh, things bode really well. I, I've I feel very strongly that uh, Saint George is you know having an Ironman World Championship in Saint George is awesome for Lionel Sanders, and he should be gunning on that. Um, and actually, you were talking about social media. We had the weirdest comment um, uh, on on Facebook from somebody after, you know, I posted the story about the inside scoop on Jackson Laundry's breakthrough win at Oceanside 70.3. And somebody said, like, you know, why do you guys have such a hate on for Lionel Sanders? He had... Like he had the an amazing race in Oceanside, I was like, "Yeah, we're not saying we we never said that he didn't, but like Jackson won." Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't understand, yeah. but uh, maybe you can help me understand those kind of comments.
0: No, 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 no <laughs> idea what you what what's going on there. Um, you know, I think uh, it's certainly one that uh, was well deserved. Lionel's. <sighs> He's, he's a man with a lot of seconds. Um, at some point, he'll, you know, he'll start making them turn around. But he, he's got to be
1: well. I and I, th- I can't remember if I said this to you. I, I feel like Lionel is is um, rapidly turning into the Ar- Arnold Palmer of our sport. You know, Jack Nicholas was the the guy who seemed to win all those majors, and and Arnold Palmer was kind of second so many times, but way more popular than jack nicholas at the time and and i feel like lionel is sort of in that boat like people just you know love the guy for his grit and determination and you know straight shooter and and all that yeah. stuff and um but yeah you know I, I think personally i think this just makes him hungrier gives him an idea of exactly what he needs to work on and to me this just sets him up even better for uh oceanside yeah.
0: sorry i mean it's uh... Lionel's got to get at some point. He'll it'll turn around for him, but it's a frustrating It must be a frustrating time. Um, but speaking about that, the did you see the? I'm, I'm going to segue a little bit before we talk about the women's uh, result too at Oceanside, which was another really good field and really good result. Did you see the by play about the um, Norwegians? Did you um, did you see Joe? Was it Joe Skipper talking about um, stirring them up a little bit uh, on social media? Did you see that?
1: I did not.
0: So, Joe Skipper's giving him a bit of a tail pull, um, and I'm not sure that they especially liked it because they've been posting videos of them training in all the, in in the middle of the snow. Um, and it's um, it's been interesting watching that go. Do we? The, but what it points to is a bigger picture: is that um, right? You know, how important are rivalries? Do we need the rivalries in the sport? How important are they to fuel? some sort of narrative around a a race other than everybody patting everyone on the back. I like a rivalry if it's genuine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had an interesting talk with a a pro um, about this um, in Lanzarote and he was talking about, you know, that the PTO really being big on, on pushing these rivalries and wanting it to, you know, wanting everyone to kind of, uh i'm not well how how do I put this diplomatically? Maybe I need to not even try uh, but basically trying to push things so everybody's fighting so it's like the the pre um m m a or w w f or whatever um you know this this battle between everybody and these you know everybody talking shit at each other um and uh you know he said he really struggled with it himself and he he felt like a lot of the pros were really struggling with that because that just wasn't their stick, right? Like these, that's not their, their natural thing. These guys are, you know, guys and gals and women, I guess, you know, they're endurance athletes, right? They're used to just being really quiet and getting out and doing their thing. Um, And so uh, it's really interesting, you know, what, what everyone wants to happen and how, it works for some people, you know, Lionel steps into that role uh, quite easily with uh, as does Cam Werf and Jan Ferdino knows how to play that game a little bit, but other people it's just not their thing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that process develops. I think it was
0: more yeah, that conversation around everyone is beatable, you know. Um, and that's that's what he came up with. And um, you know, people sort of look it, I mean Starkey's the guy who does it all the time, but I don't necessarily think he's. I don't think he's much of a threat to anyone in that top five in the world. Really, I mean I just run past him, um, and that happens. Right, he does. Yeah,
1: no, and I guess I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, the, the, and Chris McCormick likes to, this whole sort of thing as well, and it just works for some people. Um, and yeah, like the last thing I'd want to do is try and motivate the Norwegians any more than they already are. Yeah. Right, like the best thing you can do is just let them go and do their thing. Um, you know, getting them fired up to train that much harder—that's not in your best. No, interest. I
0: watched um, some video of them training too, and yeah, it looked all right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. They're they—they do what they do, and and it's a cool setup. And they race really—you uh, know—they race well. Obviously, they're bloody phenomenally quick. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm long past the time of being enthralled by a training video. That doesn't really do it for me. Um, you know, it's it's certainly cool that they're throwing the gauntlet down and people are watching. Um, but, you know, it's social media, which means everything's, you know, you take it with a bag of salt what's being put out there. Um, you did mention Alistair Brownlee who got the fourth. Uh, Aussie Sam Appleton, seventh, our man. Um, and, you know, pretty tight finishing, seven minutes For the top 10 men, that's a decent race. Oh,
1: yeah. And, you know, Lionel running his way up to second was, uh, you know, and then when you see that sort of sprint finish, that's just incredible. Um, Yeah, very. I'd still love to know what all is going on, you know, with Alistair Brownlee, if it was just energy, if his legs bugging him again, Um, you know, because he looked nothing short of awesome until he didn't. Right, like it was uh, when he dropped off, he really yeah. dropped off. So, uh, be very interested to kind of know what all is is happening there. Um, up until whatever it was, uh, you know, nineteen, eighteen, nineteen 19k of that race, I was sitting there going, Boy, Alistair is looking frightening for St. George. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe this as well is exactly uh, what he needed, um, to, to get himself organized, um, for St. George and figure out exactly what all's going on. Um, so yeah, very interesting on that. front. Yeah.
0: I mean, look, it's, um, it, how do you know? I mean, and again, I, I triathlon, they do tend to, it's, it's weird. Like I watch a lot of other sports cause I'm bored. Um, and I watch, so for example, the, you know, the world surf time leagues in town where I live. So Bells Beach is coming up. So um, that's around the corner from me. And so all the surf, best surfers in the world are in town. And it's not like they're going to say, oh, well, I didn't really go that hard because Bells is not my A tournament. You know, I'm, I'm looking to go better at, uh, you know, down at Pipeline in the Triple Crown at the end of the year. I'm looking to do better here or there. Like they just go at it you know, tennis players finish a Grand Slam and they go, you know, that wasn't my A tournament. I was just trying to, you know, get ready for this tournament. You know, it doesn't seem to work like that. But in, you know, cycling maybe and in triathlon and I don't know, people go, oh, it wasn't my A race. I was just doing this, you know. Do you find that weird or are we just, you know, just a different set of uh, cats that can sort of talk that through?
1: Oh, totally different set of cats. Um, You know, it's... Because when you're training for, um, an endurance type thing, it's just, it's impossible to be at that highest form 20 times in a year. Um, whereas it's, you know, it's, it's different in, and certainly different in tennis and, and, in other sports, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so. No, I remember talking with well Chris McCormick and Peter Reed and you know a lot of uh, pros talking about trying to be super ready for um, the Ironman European Championship in Frankfurt and saying you know you're you're throwing the dice because if you're really ready now in July beginning of July it's going to be very hard to be super ready for Kona. Um, and so it, it is different, um, in our sport. And so, um, you know, and, and this is where, uh, it, it, you know, Jan Frodeno, again, I was talking to somebody who trains with him and it kind of, he was kind of saying, yeah, Jan doesn't go to a race unless he, he's pretty sure he's going to win. Um, and, uh, you know, it's hard to be super ready like that a ton of times in a year
0: yeah i so. mean that i get it it's such a it's that's why the, the repetitive nature of the sport is so difficult that's why it's so hard to produce what we want you know um you know nfl players back up week after week tennis players golfers whatever you know they all back up surfers all back up as well You know, in this sort of environment of endurance, it's incredibly difficult to back up week after week unless you are Lionel Sanders or, you know, Terenzo Bazzoni or one of those guys, you know, who were very good at going week in, week out. Uh, And and that's where we suffer. We suffer because you get excited about a big field like this and then it disappears for a few weeks. You want, you know, not week in, week out, but you certainly want races a lot of the year. And again, we're moving to this. But um, you know the buzz around what's happening down here at Bell's because you know you've got um, you know best some of the best guys uh, and and some of the best women coming out here as well. You know, like you can, you know, it's Kelly Slater, it's Toledo Moniz, you know, or you know Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson, you know, like awesome athletes who are here all together, all the best in the world all going flat out and no one's going A race, B race, it's like, I'm gonna get in the water and I'm gonna drill it. And I get you what you're saying. Um, but I think it's to the detriment of the sport that we have this setup. And I know we can't change that, but um, it does make it hard, which is why things like Super League were so fun, because you got a month of it every week. You got every week you got a new installment. It was like watching, you know, something on Netflix that drops every week. You know, you get something that updates and you're like, this is awesome because you get it again and you get it again and you get it again. And that's how the narrative of the racing builds up. Rivalries build up, you know, comebacks happen, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's as close as we're going to get for the moment, Kevin.
1: Yeah, well, and and I I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like if somebody from World Triathlon was here, they'd be saying, hey, hold it. That's what we have with the World Triathlon Championship Series. You know, um, and, uh, it was, it was interesting. I can't remember who I was, um, oh, Taylor Nebb, who I, I'm guess I'm hoping that we'll get to talking about in Oceanside. Um, but she was talking about the intensity of those races and, uh, you know, she likes jumping into 70.3s and, and other events just to give herself a break from that kind of intensity. Um, but you know, that's short course racing and, you know, people, Triathlon fans do long course stuff way more than they do draft legal yeah. <laughs> racing, and so we all want more of that kind of thing um, in the uh, in the long distance world. And it's a tough one to get, but you know, I feel like a broken record. This is the year where we're going to see more of it than we're not. Um, with you know, two world championships, you got that sub eight, sub seven, you got the PTO stuff, wow. so. Uh, this will be yeah, a good year. Be. So you'll
0: have less to complain about. And before we get to the women's race, let's just say that that sub eight, sub seven, uh, really hampered because Lucy Charles has bombed and she's gone for an extended amount of time.
1: <laughs> How does somebody who's got a hip injury bomb? Like you're, you're pretty. No, no, that's no, not man. about that. It's just that she's out.
0: <laughs> like she's no longer. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I am. Very much on the uh, on the bandwagon. I've firmly attached myself to it. I think she's next to Fredina. I think she's the most complete and well-packaged athlete on the planet. And I think she's standalone in social media, um, in what she does and how she presents herself. I think her sponsors would be beside themselves because of what she does and how well she performs. But she's basically blown up and is done. That's a real knock for the sport and obviously for her.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, everyone obviously hopes that she bounces back quickly and that we'll see her in the fall. Um, you know, part of me was I've, I've felt that Lucy Charles Barkley has been going really hard for a lot of years. And, um, so, you know, she, and and that's just her nature. You know, she comes from that endurance swimming background. Um, you know you, you got to remember as a, i think she was 18 uh 2012 she came very close to making uh, the UK Olympic team there were four women vying for one spot in that uh, long distance swim at the uh, 2012 Olympics in London and you know she was the youngest of that group and and almost made that team um and so She's been pushing hard for a lot of years, and um, so you know I, I can't imagine what it's like to try and coach her and try and hold her back and get her to rest. And and I kind of feel like this is her body's way of saying you need her a little bit of a break. And um, so hopefully um, she'll get that, and yeah, just you know bounce back quickly and um, bounce back well. You know the sport. I'm with you. She's the, the complete package and, um, uh, the, the, on the women's side, possibly, well, in, in terms of triathlon, I don't know if she's even more popular than Jan Frodeno in terms of, um, popularity on social media and all that stuff, but certainly up there. And, um, yeah, definitely a blow to the, to the long distance world of the sport. And we look forward to seeing her back soon.
0: Yeah, 100%. I, uh, am, in your corner on that one. Let's finally get to our Oceanside women's race and uh, where we saw dirty Canadians getting up. Uh, we saw a mixed bag in the uh, women's. We saw Taylor Nib, of course, who found a time trial bike. Hey, well done. Um <laughs> gets first. Uh, Louisa Batista is in second. A couple of minutes adrift, And then we've got Holly Lawrence, who we know goes like sting, and she was there as well. All the first women ran... 117s thereabouts. Uh, Ashley Gentle should be known for her 116. That was dynamite. uh, Had a very good day for her as well. She's just, she keep an eye on this one. She is building in this world of 70.3 very well. Um,
1: Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, just um, on the Ashley Gentle front, like I saw her, I was announcing in uh, Clash Miami, um, and she just looked out of this world, I was actually, um, a little bit surprised that, uh, that Ashley, um, I don't want to say struggled, wasn't as strong on the bike as, as I actually anticipated she would be. Um, and so, you know, I just wonder if it's, it's getting that strength over the longer distance. Um, yeah, she's frightening on the run. Um, so if she can be in contact, um, off the run, in seventy point three, she is going to, uh, you know, put a lot of hurt on to, to even you know the Annie Hogs and and Lucy Charles Barkleys and all of those kind of people of the world. So definitely keep an eye on her. Um, and yeah, Taylor Nib is, um, I don't know if quietly <laughs> she you know she made a big bang. Last year, with her amazing performances, um, and just continued that. And she is the real deal. Uh, Keep an eye on her, man. She is uh, there. The the sky's the limit in terms of what she
0: can do. She's already the you know the lids off there. There's no anyone doesn't think she's got any. uh, You know, a lot more to do in the sport. Doesn't know the sport. She's completely. Um, off the chain and how quick she can be, and, and what she does. And, you know, um, again, rising star, there's just this whole raft of really amazing women, uh, coming in. The one notable, uh, Daniela Reef, who finished 10th and then got herself a DQ for get this riding too quickly through a neutral zone. She went over, I think it was 40 Ks an hour, as if she's ever ridden a time trial bike under 40 Ks an hour. Um, Yeah. She got uh, a little bit of a DQ smack for herself there.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah. I know. Boy, Daniela, since she has moved on from Brett Sutton has struggled to get that same sort of consistency, Uh, you know, and who knows if it's because of the move from, from Brett. Um, uh, But yeah, she is just not, you know, not that same sort of athlete that we're used to seeing and, um, you know, had a solid day in Bahrain, but um, Laura Phillip just ran away from her um, and, uh, and, and was just not in the ballpark. Um, but, you know, she's, she said that she's coming off a monstrous training block. She's, uh, she was still kind of sore from all of that. And again, you know, we, we were just talking about talking about this a second ago. This very much a stepping stone for her. Saint George is going to be a big deal uh, for uh, for Daniela Reef because um, if she, in the, the the women's field feel like you know three years ago they were going in racing for second all the time and now they don't feel like they're doing that anymore they're not uh, they don't have that same fear factor of Daniela Reef that they that they did so. Um, it's uh, yeah, you know Daniela's. This is to me a big, big turning point for her. If uh, if she rolls in and and we see the old Daniela Reef and she just dominates again, then she'll be right back in in the game where she was. But um, you know, she ends up fifth or sixth or, or whatever. Um, it's going to be really hard for her to, you know, all the rest of the women are going to be like, yeah, this is our time now too. We, ha- we have a chance to, to win more of these titles. Yeah, and
0: that's, um, you know, we're going to see it. And I think, uh, yeah, I th- have we seen the best from her though? Like is, are we on decline or are we, you know, maybe, you know, there's that many other great women athletes running around at the moment um, you can't stay on top forever.
1: No, and and she has had one one heck of a run. Nine nine Ironman world titles. I think she won a U twenty three world title as well, possibly way back when. That's why I'm always hesitant with the nine time world champion. I I think she might be ten times, um, but um, yeah, and. and I, the last thing I am doing is counting her out. Uh, you know, way too talented uh, for that. And, you know, uh, people, you look at, there, there were times when Paula Newby Fraser didn't win in Kona. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, there's, I, I would not be surprised to see her back to her old self and, and dialing things in and St. George. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that race develops. Yeah, I'll,
0: I'm going to write her off. She's not winning. Um, we move across to uh, Africa, I'm Man Africa, Nelson Mandela Bay. Swim was shortened, uh, and that's the other thing too that cracked me about Oceanside. They said that there was, there was you know, lots of waves and stuff. I saw it and just giggled. It's not waves. You guys don't know anything about waves. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Yes, but you Aussies have a completely different view on all of that. I I do know. Like, you know, my first pro um, swim in the ocean was um, at uh, LA USTS, I think it was. And um, I remember the waves that day were just like nothing. I had ever tried to swim in before in my life. And, you know, the Greg Welches of the world and, you know, that whole Aussie contingent were just in their element. Like they were just having a heyday and riding the waves in and just dusted us all in that swim. So uh, it's a whole different world compared to, uh, f- for the rest of us, compared to what you guys
0: yeah, are Yeah, you guys to. are pussies. Um, it... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just popped down. But
1: yeah, what is it with South Africa? They, they, because uh, the last, like when they held that race in, uh, was it November last year when they delayed yeah, it too? Uh, they had to shorten the swim there as well. And I feel like they've either cancelled the swim or shortened the swim a few times yeah, there. I think so. um,
0: they got seven hundred meters done. And I, I, I don't understand. Like I've not been to the race, so I'm gonna, I'm not criticizing. I just don't understand if you can do seven hundred it becomes probably too problematic to do laps or to do other things as well. Um, yeah, I'm not...
1: Yeah, I think they don't want to do laps because it's so hard for people to get in, into yeah, the and, water. Um, and the, It just becomes and, awful. So, But a
0: 10-minute yeah. swim... <laughs> <ten minute> swim
1: <laughs> yeah, that did not separate that men's field no, at all. But, not even one no. bit.
0: Um, the men came out in eight. To between 757 and 80, what I think 830 or something like that. So there was a 20 or 30 second spread, which is nothing. Uh the women's uh eventual winner was the German. And I'm gonna butcher Am I gonna continue my butchering of uh professional athletes' names? Uh Daniela Blaymel, is that how we're calling it?
1: Hey, that for you, that was downright awesome. Daniela Blaymel. yep Victory
0: to me. Uh, she did a nice job with uh, 822 and then um, her compatriot, um, Elena Ill- Illidich. Jesus, it's terrible.
1: Terrible. Okay. Ill- yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that's Illidich. Yeah, and so uh, Daniela Blay-Mill, uh the super, you know, yet another of the yeah, super moms, months. she had her second child last year. I can't remember exactly eight when. <laughs> Um, her son, I feel like is eight or nine years old. He's older. Um, but yeah, just a great sort of comeback race uh, for her. And she just dominated. But when you looked at that, like when you looked at that field, I think I feel like she was a late entry to it. Um, but her, like her name just came up at the end of that, uh, end of that list and was, you know, just, it was obvious she should win that race and she did. So, you know, more, more power to her on that front. Um, and really interesting on the on the men's front, um, how close that race was with with all of those guys. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, it should mention eight months since her she had a second child. So yeah, that's freakish. Um, the men: Kyle Buckingham, Brad Weiss, and Matty Troutman, all uh, from South Africa, and then of course Joe Skipper, or as the coverage called him, Jose Skipper. Uh, he came in fourth. Jose, It was awesome.
1: Oh, I miss, I miss seeing, uh, Jose, the Jose. That's hilarious. Awesome. I am
0: a hawk for this listening community with what I do. So Jose didn't have his best day, but didn't have his worst day either. No. And, and again, you're going to hate
1: me for all of this, but, um, you know, Joe Skipper, this is his, his MO as he builds up to a big race. So, um, I think he'll sort of come off this. I, I, he's always amazing to me. He seems to do really well with a bunch of full distance Ironmans or long, you know, full distance races in a row. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think just bodes really well for him heading into St. George. So, um, other than poking the bear with the Norwegians, I think he's
0: in. Uh, in good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can poke a or whoever you like when you go going that quick, I suppose, um, you know, that's going <laughs> to come back to you, but does it make a difference? Does not make a difference to me? It actually heightens what they do. You know, as we said, it makes more, uh, more fun to the racing. So, um, but uh, before we do wrap this up, cause we'll kick off um, this sort of um, pod this season, I guess you can call it with a, a shorter one, but you uh, spent a few days in Morocco. I need to understand this. Explain what you were doing, sir.
1: <laughs> so I was at the Marathon de Sable, which is, um, well, you know what, Phil? I think if you need a little challenge and need some motivation to, uh, to get yourself uh, fit, forget this, forget this gravel riding thing that you were into. I have the event for you, the Marathon de Sable. So um, it started in 1984. Wow, the, the first race was in 86. But in 1984, this guy named Patrick Bauer um, decided that he was going to do a 12-day jaunt across the Sahara Desert, fully self-supported. He went 350 kilometers. And um, then he decided, you know what? That was so much fun. I need to create a race where more people can do something like that. And so now the event is, uh, it's just 250 kilometers. Uh, They do the lion's share of it in five days. Um, And then they, so they have five stages and then they have what they call a charity stage where basically everyone runs together um, on this final day. This year, the charity stage was 7K. Um, the first three days of this thing are between 30 and 38k. Uh, then the fourth day they do the long stage which was 86 kilometers Mental. this year. Uh, the fifth stage is 42.2 so a regular marathon and then they finished with this uh, this charity stage. It is nuts like they're going through full-fledged sand the the one day that I only got to see one day of racing, I had to push, I think, four different vehicles out of the sand. One of them needed to get towed. What um, they? Like, I was there to cover the race. They they invited me to come over and, um, and uh, do the, you know, to cover it for uh, Canadian Running Magazine and for Triathlon Magazine Canada. And I sort of ran a series of, you know, if if Iron Man isn't enough, yeah, here you go. <laughs> this is the thing, and like it is, it's it's wild, just unbelievable. Um, so you, uh, all of the athletes have to carry all of their own food for the whole week, all the sleeping stuff, anything that they want to sleep on. All they're provided with is water, and the organizers put up tents for them every night, and everything else they're on their own. They have to uh, carry a a backpack of six and a half to 15 kilograms with them. They have to prove that they have enough food. They have to show that they've got at least 2000 calories worth of food a day. Um, Yeah, it's just mind boggling and an unbelievable experience. I uh, finished the feature on it for, uh, for the May issue of the magazine and, uh, can't wait for that to come out and got some great photos wow, and stuff. Wow, that's so, incredible. Um, And now they, they want me to come back next year and and cover the whole week's worth of racing, which I, uh, I'm i hoping I have a chance what to do. What city
0: do you go out of, out of Morocco? Like what what part of Morocco are you in and what city do you sort of get into? <laughs> so, um,
1: oh my goodness, how did it work? We flew into... Uh where did we fly into? I can't even remember. Our Arzat, our Zachati or something like that. We flew out of Korzati. Um, but the the it's purposely set up in the middle of the Sahara. Yeah. So we landed at an airport in you know, way south Morocco. Um, and then we uh we were in a bus. They said it was going to be an 80-minute bus ride. Um, that bus ride was at least three hours to the (laughs) middle of nowhere. Um, and then when we were driving, when they, so there were five of us journalists who were just doing what they called the short media trip. Um, and so they said, yeah, we're, we're going to get you home on Monday at 10 30. So I thought, oh, great. We'll get to get to watch the race and, and then they'll drive us to the airport and we'll fly the three hours home to Paris. Um, and be home for 10.30 p.m. Uh-uh. We were so far in the middle of nowhere. Five and a half hour drive <laughs> through the desert to get to Corzazati, which is the airport that we flew out of. Two flights from there to Casablanca, then um, waited six hours in Casablanca for the flight back to Paris. Yeah. Um, and, and just to add fun to it all, so, you know, that we got these two drivers. They're driving through the desert, not a GPS in sight. Um, they get completely lost. Like they bang on some poor dude's living in a hut in the middle of the God. desert. They bang on his door at like 4 o'clock in the morning trying to figure out where they are. It was That's,
0: That's crazy. Um, I went to Morocco um, a few years back. Uh, And it is an amazing place. The desert is stunning. It is a really amazing place. So I um, think, yes, it would be a a brilliant trip because it is such a a cool place. The other thing that I stumbled on, and I sort of knew bits and pieces of it, but I really sort of got more involved in reading about it, was the Barkley Marathons, which has just happened. Um, I think it was in March. And I, I don't know how much you know about the Barkley Marathons, but... If you've got some time, get on the Google machine and start there because it is fucking mental. It's just mental what these guys do and iconic start. Do you know much about Barclay? You're cross it, wouldn't you?
1: So, um, so the guy we had uh, one of our editors went down and covered that. One of the editors from the Canadian Running Magazine covered that a few years ago, and I'm dying to go down and shoot that race. Like, I think that would just be so much fun. Um, yeah, just, and there's a great, uh, I believe it's on Netflix. There's a great uh, little documentary about it. Um, and it's truly a nutty event Do you know as well. what I love about it though, Kevin? Um, and I,
0: again, the, the one that you've just covered as well. Um, I, I love that these races exist. I love that Barkley is so ridiculously, um charismatic you know that a conch gets blown and they light a cigarette and you know when the conch blows they get half an hour to start and it could blow any time from midnight to noon on the race I, I love all that i love that and it hasn't, hasn't got uh you know big commercial endorsements and you know they haven't got big companies coming in and fucking it up and you know mm-hmm. making
1: no, and, and he doesn't yeah. want that at all, that that race director. He's just, and he's really, um, I remember uh, when, when we were trying to get down there covering it, like just to get permission to come in as a journalist was a, you know, you had to go through long conversations and, you know, he, he's very picky about who all he gets to to cover all but of that. That's so, what I love about it, that um, protective
0: event. So it's not just another douchebag event with thousands of people. And, you know, I don't know, like, and I think sometimes we, it's nice to preserve that sort of stuff. Um,
1: yeah, right. Well, and and you would love the marathon to Sabla, like the, you know, Patrick power is still the race director. Um, era is the, um, uh, airport we flew into and drew three hours away from, um, So, uh, but Patrick Bauer, uh, is, he's really big on this whole spirit of the event. Now there is, you know, tons of, uh, television coverage that they do and everything, but, um, but they're very particular about, you know, the athletes experience. Um, and that, uh, and, and I think that's, that's, I think what you're getting at is when it's, about the athlete experience as opposed to trying to make money. Yeah. And just, um,
0: like and, those non-commercial bullshit races that we see, and I know they have to make a buck. I get all that, right? So before the world of Twitter or whatever jumped down my throat on this one, it, it's just nice to know that there are um, small races. And one of the quirks of the Barkley Marathons is that you have to bring your license plate from your car or a car from your city to them. And there was a picture in a photo gallery, and I looked at it, and there was one from my state in Victoria here. And oh, man. you're kidding! That's so I put awesome. it out on Twitter, and I just said, "Well, who whose is it?" You know. And then God love Twitter because it bounced back, and um, a bunch of people got on it, and I ended up finding out who it was, and it ended up being um, first it was they thought it was Isabel Ross who ran the event like in 2019, and then Nikki Ren who's another um, Aussie girl who ran across and did that as well, which I love, you know, that there's one of my home state license plates hanging in some random forest, um, you know, out there uh, on the course. It's really cool. And, you know, these people, they don't finish the event too. It's like it's, you know, like the Tour de France.
1: No, there was there were no finishers this no, year, then, I think. Yeah, there, there were two guys still – two guys maybe two guys and a woman um who were you know still into it on the third day or something yeah Yeah, it's it's just a wild event and trying to find pages from a book and you can't find the book and you know they don't even know where the course is all over the place It, it just sounds like a nutty experience yeah
0: exactly um and that's the thing too like like the tour de france was invented not to finish it's like this is the same thing it's invented not to finish and when you do, it must be pretty uh, pretty amazing. But it is good, Kevin, that we have events like this around the world that, you know, we can get involved with and, and still sort of witness from afar. I don't ever want to, uh, you know, those things to, to be commercialized or picked up. I'd rather it ended, you know, and, and those guys who have spent so much time creating such awesome legend get to keep it within their own, you know, confines of, of, of their world.
1: Yeah. Well, and you, you should have a look at, you know, there's a um... – uh, the Marathon de Sable has done a great job of that that balance, and and I feel like you know X-try, um is in that same sort of mode of you know there's there's commercialization, but it's still all of, you know small yeah. enough. Um, uh, but you know certainly my experience, I, the only um, sort of Xtry event that I've been to is the Canada Man, Canada Woman, and I uh, just love the 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 guys who organize that very much in that same kind of meld. They would fit in well with Patrick Bauer and the uh, Marathon de Sable yeah, folks. So uh, yeah, there's there are a few of those events around and we can't celebrate them enough well, in my and mind. And
0: that seems like a nice point to leave it at at 50 minutes going around about. Uh, folks, thanks for listening to us. Um, you can find Kevin at the greatest triathlon magazine in the world, uh, triathlon magazine, Canada, uh, where he's doing... All good things in that so get onto that website it's fantastic you can find me at Phil Rockner if you can hit me on the Twitter machine. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks and then uh, kicking off every week after that. So we once again thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks time Kevin thank you very much sir.
1: Thank you so much
0: Phil. Thanks for listening to the life of try. if you like us tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at the life of try.